Welcome to The Productivity Show, the aging efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. 2017 is here, so in this episode, Tan and I talk about eight things we think the new year will bring to the productivity space. It's a little bit different than the type of thing we normally do here, but it's a fun episode where we discuss the trends that we've seen and what changes we expect to see in the way that people get their work done. Don't forget that you can find links to everything we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 124. And now, on with the show. So today, we want to talk a little bit about some of the productivity predictions for 2017. Tan, you had floated this idea as kind of like a state of the union for productivity. And I think this is a really important topic uh, because I think that when it comes to productivity, as we're going to talk about with some of these different different things, productivity, both personally and professionally, is going to become even more important. But also, it's becoming more of a buzzword. And I think that there's a little bit of an attitude out there where all of the big stuff has been discovered. Like the 80-20 in terms of productivity has already been, been uh, uh, is already out there. But I think that there's still a lot of room for growth. And we're going to talk about some of that today. Yeah, when you think about the productivity space, industry, landscape, whatever you want to call it, it's really not that old when you really think about it. Maybe 50, 60 years ago, mm-hmm. it kind of got introduced with all these management consultants like coming into factories, looking at like labor efficiency, looking at ways to do things faster, smarter when it comes to like factory workers. And then you have like the rise of the information workers and the knowledge workers that we have today. And people didn't really think about their own productivity as much as they are today. In the past, it was really your boss's responsibility, the management's responsibility to make sure that people are working efficiently and effectively. But Today, there are more and more people who are self-employed, who run their own business or have some sort of side project or have some sort of passion project going on. And it's becoming more and more important for you to rely on yourself and to take care of your own productivity. You don't have to listen to another person anymore or have someone else tell you what to do. And especially readers of Asian Efficiencies and listeners of this podcast, I'm sure a lot of them are self-employed do their own thing, and it's up to them to figure out what's the best way to maximize my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so in my mind, I'm always thinking, what's next? Because as I'm reviewing my journal, as I'm thinking back of the last five, six, seven, eight, ten years, productivity has changed quite a bit. I remember when the first iPhone came out, and I was standing in line in San Francisco, I remember this, near Union Square, to get my first iPhone. And I remember when you were checking email on that thing, it was pretty damn amazing. I know BlackBerry was kind of a thing back then, (laughs) but checking email on your iPhone when it first came out was amazing. It was like a productivity game changer. But you didn't have something like OmniFocus on there. So you didn't have like task management integration yet. That really came two, three years later. And even today... Even though to you and me, that's like the most normal thing to have, that's still relatively new to most people. And if you look at like all the topics in the dojo, people are still struggling with integrating task managers and even finding the right task manager when you really think about it. 
Yeah. And, and that's kind of funny to think about when the iPhone was introduced not too long ago, the fact that you had email on your phone was a huge productivity benefit. And now the fact that you have email on your phone <laughs> is a huge productivity crutch. In fact, I recently am experimenting and so far I haven't missed it, but I've, I've removed email from my phone altogether. But uh, the, having the email on your phone now just means that you can get interrupted basically at any point. And that was not always the case. That was definitely not the case when uh, the iPhone first came out. Yeah. And then, so the first prediction I want to make for 2017 that I think is going to be really important for not just consumers to think about, but also developers and businesses to think about is to embrace cross-platform solutions. And what I mean with this is that if you think about all the systems that are out there, the platforms that are out there, you have an online platform, you have an Android platform, you have an iOS platform, you have a Mac platform, you have a Windows platform, you have all these different platforms. And more and more, I'm seeing people having some sort of need to be cross-platform. And the first sign I kind of saw this was about two years ago when I saw a lot of people emailing us through customer support. And they were wondering, what do you guys do when you use OmniFocus at home but you have to use Windows at work. That was one of the most common <laughs> questions I got. And so I wrote a blog post about it and I gave people different solutions. But even in the last two years, I've seen this come up over and over and over again because one, I think, to be honest, the CEO of Microsoft, the new one, uh, has done a fantastic job turning the company around. So he's been really uh, active in like making Microsoft great again. And so uh, Windows is just becoming more prevalent on the desktop and always has been, but is, is sort of making a comeback. Then you have Android coming up as well and just Samsung just crushing it when it comes to phone sales. And uh, then you have people who have multiple phones or they have a tablet like the iPad. And so you have all these different devices, different platforms. And some people, it's, it's so common to have an Android phone, to have a Mac computer at home, and then use Windows at work. And in that case, what do you do then? Because there's no such thing as OmniFocus on Android. Yes, there are some, some hacks and workarounds, but not really. Um, there's no OmniFocus on Windows, so what do you do then if you really love OmniFocus? Well, you have to have a cross-platform solution. Yep, definitely. And actually, that this kind of gets into your, your second point, but I, I want to ask you right now, because this is something that I, I think... I've been noticing, uh, and I want to get your opinion on it too, when it comes to task managers, do you really think that it is possible for somebody to just use a single task manager anymore? It seems to me that task managers are becoming more and more popular. There's more and more options. And every single organization that you become a part of that uses one uses a different one. And so really the people who are going to be able to use those effectively are not going to be masters of a single platform, but able to apply the principles across many different platforms. What, what is your opinion on that? I think that is very accurate, especially understanding the principles. So when you look at the OmniFocus workflow that we teach inside OmniFocus Premium Post or best-selling course on OmniFocus, what people really got out of it is the workflow. It's the system that allows people to take... Mm -hmm loads of tasks and information and distill it down to essentially three to six things that they have to do that day and going from you know zero to hero essentially in just a couple of minutes and 
I've noticed a lot of people du- duplicating this workflow to other task managers because they they had a need to use something else because they either had to use you know Android on their phone or Windows at work or something like that. And so you can essentially duplicate that system, which <laughs> you and I have talked about a lot for um, mm-hmm. for different task managers because the system and the principles stay the same. It's just the app is different. And so I do think people, if they are willing to learn the system and the workflow, and maybe, you know, now to think about it, we should just create a separate course on this at some point. But <laughs> if they are willing to learn that, they can duplicate that across any sort of to-do list and app. And I do think more and more people will have to kind of get the basics down so that they can be efficient and effective in their work in, in the corporate world or in their own business because they have a certain preference or a need to be cross-platform. Yeah, that makes that makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, even if even if you're completely invested in the OmniFocus system, like the major players in task managers have changed significantly over the years. OmniFocus is still around, but I remember actually the very first uh, article I think I read on Asian efficiency about task management talked about things which hasn't been updated now in in many years, and we've also seen the rise of things like Todoist and Asana, which have implemented some pretty killer new features. Todoist, you can even add tasks to your task manager straight from your Amazon Echo now, and uh, so I think the principles are going to become more and more important. And then being able to switch between the different systems, not being wholly invested in one single solution. And then as soon as you have to think outside that box, not knowing what to do is going to be really important. And that really speaks to the second prediction you had. And that is to have more and more inboxes that you have to monitor. (laughs) I know this is kind of a bad thing. I don't want to start this podcast on the negative note, guys. I really, really don't. But what I'm seeing is that the more we move away from real life, and move our lives online, the more inboxes we have to monitor. And just think about that for a second. The more we go online, the more inboxes we have to monitor. Now, if you think back maybe like 10 years ago, when most of us weren't online that much, what are some of the inboxes we really had to deal with? It was maybe a paper tray if you're really into productivity and you had some sort of organization system. You had uh, a voicemail inbox you had maybe your snail mail if you have like some sort of box like that um text messaging was kind of existent but not really and you had email pretty manageable i will say today if you are mostly online like most of us here you have facebook and every social media platform has its own inbox so if you're on facebook you have notifications Then you have the Facebook Messenger inbox if you use the messaging feature. If you're on Twitter, you have the DM on there. You have the notifications on there, the the mentions. Then if you're on LinkedIn, you have an inbox there. You have notifications there. So that's another inbox. Text messages today, I think, is a more prevalent uh, medium than it was before. And it's not uncommon to monitor your inbox there because some people get a lot of text messages every single day. And uh, I think it's kind of a good thing that there's no such thing as turning it as unread in text messages because uh, I think as soon as that happens, we're going to have a new <laughs> set of problems which is going to be related to email 
because then it's going to be more about management of text messages. So the fact that it isn't there yet, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets flipped on at some point because I think all of us have had it happen where you, you read a text message, you were about to compose something, and then you got distracted, and then you forgot to reply. And because it was marked as read, you totally forgot about it, and you never got back to it in time. And then maybe hours later or days later, you start to realize, oh, wait, I, I totally forgot to reply to this person. Oh, man, that, that sounds, yeah, I could totally see that happening. And I'm definitely not looking forward to text messaging getting to that level. Uh, I think that fundamentally, the way that people try to handle email as they continue to get more and more of it just isn't working. You know, we, we shared some statistics when we launched Escape Your Email, but there's, there's no sign of slowing down in terms of the number of emails that people are going to receive, even though something like text messaging, that's kind of an unexplored frontier in terms of being able to send messages. Another thing that I've been hearing a lot about is the calendar spam with the iCloud calendars. I mean, those are messages that you typically would have gotten via email and now they're appearing on your calendar. So there's a lot of other places where people can throw messages at you that you don't really want them. But Email is not going to go away, and I've seen a lot of applications lately that have been trying to hack it, basically, uh, as they receive more and more email. Instead of addressing the root causes, which is eliminating the messages that you don't need by using services like SameBox and trimming the fat and implementing the systems that we try to teach, people try different approaches to deal with it differently. And one example of this is the snooze email feature, which was made popular by the now-defunct Mailbox where you got a message and you didn't want to do anything with it right now. So you snoozed it. So it would come back and it would be at the top of your messages at, at a specific time, hoping that at that time, when you're constantly checking your email and you see that message at the top, that you'll hopefully do something with it at that point, knowing that you're never going to get to it if it's near the bottom, because you have no system in place to get through all of your messages in the first place. Yeah. And when you think about email, and like you said, uh, the, the statistics are there. The trend is there. It's, it's on the rise. But it's also because it's the only form of online ID, as you can call it, that sort of unifies all these different platforms and services. Like when you sign up for Facebook, you have to have an email address. When you sign up for Twitter, you have to have an email address. If you buy something online, you have to have an email address. And what, what happens then? Well, you're going to get notifications on these platforms. And it turns out, Every time there's a notification, you usually get an email as well, if not multiple. And so mm-hmm. by just being more online, you're just going to get more notifications, more emails. And the sad thing is nobody is really teaching us and showing us what's the best way to handle this. And I think by launching Escape Your Email, we're kind of getting close to that. But I would not be surprised if in a couple of years we have to launch like a inbox course management or something that just goes beyond... <laughs> just email, but also just all the other inboxes we've mentioned and just having some sort of unified system so that you don't miss out on important stuff. So I would not be surprised. Yeah. How to deal with notifications across all your devices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of sad, kind of sad to think about. I mean, that was another thing I wrote down was a notification overload. I've got an Apple watch. And the very first thing that I did is I turned off every single notification that I could think of and then only added them back when I got them on my phone. And I was like, oh, that would be nice to get on my watch. But the default is that everything is on. And as we have an increase uh, in wearable technology, 
you know, like the Snapchat came out with the spectacles. There's been the Google Glass experiment. Uh, there's the, there's just going to be more and more of these things in the future. And every single one of these things, like the goal of these technologies is to be able to get your attention at any given moment, which means that we're never really going to be disconnected. So it's going to be even more important that people know how to deal with those notifications. Otherwise, it'll be death by a thousand notifications. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but also just to be able to do deep work because if you can't do deep work in the future you're pretty much in trouble and i know mm -hmm. that that is a topic that speaks very close to you but that is the main reason we want to be able to be in control of all these notifications inboxes is that we can control our focus our attention and do the work that we're supposed to be doing because most of the work in the future is going to be automated. It's going to be done by robots. It's going to be done by some sort of automation system. Like just today, I saw a video where they showed how Amazon is changing the game when it comes to grocery shopping. Did you see this video? Yeah, well, I didn't see the video, but I've heard about Amazon Go and it sounds amazing to tell you the truth. I can't wait. <laughs> I honestly can't wait either. For those who haven't seen it, just, just look it up. You basically walk into a store, you scan your phone, so it's linked to your Amazon accounts. And then whenever you grab something from the rack, whether that's groceries or food or whatever, it will automatically charge it to your accounts as soon as you walk out the store. So there's no need for cashiers anymore, right? So yep. this is the trend, guys. This is going to happen over the next couple of years. I don't want to say in 2017 just yet, but it's going to happen. And what's going to mm -hmm. set people apart is the, is the ability to do deep work, is to be able to be creative, think about stuff solve problems it's not to do the mechanical work anymore and if you are overloaded by notifications by emails by text messages you can't do any sort of thinking or deep work which makes you less valuable in the marketplace and makes you you know subsequently earn less and not have the potential to grow and all that stuff so before we move on i just want to quickly recap because we talked about a lot of stuff so far so when it comes to the eight predictions, so far we talked about being cross-platform, so number one. Number two is monitoring multiple inboxes. Then we talked about number three, sort of hacking stuff together. And, uh, and then we also talked about notifications overload. So we have all these five predictions so far. Uh, what's the next one, Mike? Well, before we move on to the next one, I just want to kind of address, this will lead into the next one, uh, what you were saying about the Amazon ghost stores. I mean, the whole idea behind the Amazon ghost stores is they want to make the whole shopping process more efficient. They want to help people save money when, or save time when they go to, uh, to buy their groceries. And that is the thing is that people want more time, but if you don't step back and look at how you are actually investing your time, uh, you will continue to be bombarded by these notifications. Like really that's the root of the problem is you have to get a handle on this stuff because we just have so much information around us now that it's impossible to consume it all. So the next one I'm going to say is more busyness, less effectiveness, kind of goes along with some of the things that you were talking about. There's more inboxes, there's more email, there's more social media, there's new social media networks every single day. There's an abundance of information and the things that we need to do. A great example of this, people sign up for our, our webinars and our, our group coaching calls and stuff like that, and they don't attend. And we've seen the attendance rate steadily decline, not because of the quality of the presentations. We get great feedback on the quality of the material that we teach, 
but they don't attend even though they really want to because they overestimate how much time they really have, even though they're still spending the, like the average U.S. worker spent 6.3 hours per day dealing with, with email. But when you're nose down in your day, you don't even realize that. You're just focused on, oh, I got to clear the next thing. I got to clear the next notification. Oh, what's this thing? I got to deal with this right now. And so like our brand promise is systemic solutions to productivity problems. Like we talked about that when I was down in Austin, maybe six months ago, like what do we want to deliver to our customers? And those systemic solutions are going to provide, in my opinion, greater return in the future as people who have those systems can rise above the noise, can do the deep work that you were talking about. Those are the people that are going to be successful. So personal productivity is going to become even more important than ever. It's funny when you said more busyness, less effectiveness and how people are kind of committed to do certain things, but then don't show up. That just reminds me of a lot of people who live in Los Angeles. And that is no offense to people living in Los Angeles, but the culture there is very much of a flakiness culture. And anybody who lives in Los Angeles can testify to this. So if you live in Los Angeles and you're listening to this, I would love to hear your feedback and comments on this because I know you can relate, but it's so <laughs> normal there for people to say, yes, I will come to your birthday party. I will come to your event. I will come to do this and this and this. And then what happens is because there's so much stuff going on in Los Angeles all the time, people are overcommitted. They get distracted with all these different things. And then they only show up for one thing that they actually can go to. And then they also show up late because of traffic. So <laughs> right. it's, it's kind of like the same thing here. And just, it just reminded me of that. And all this time living in Los Angeles, as somebody who shows up on time and is honorable of their word, it was kind of frustrating. But after you lived there for a while, you kind of live with, live with it and you kind of understand why that is. Well, people always have the best intentions. In fact, somebody uh, I respect once said that people judge others by their actions, but themselves by their intentions. You know, And people... Probably when they sign up for the webinars and the group coaching calls and stuff like that, like they have every intention of taking advantage of this thing. It's the same thing with, you know, you buy that, that new tool that you think is going to make all the difference and you don't even ever open it or dig into it and figure out how to actually leverage that to save you time because you haven't learned the principles of the systems mindset. That really is what we're trying to, to teach. Like it's really easy to get lost in the flow, but there are some tools that can help you with that. And that was uh, one of the things that, that you wrote down. So maybe you can, we can change the tone of this and make it a little bit more positive. <laughs> if you're not familiar with HipChat or Slack, think of it as an instant messenger. The, the closest comparison I can think of is Skype, but not really Skype. Because Skype is just, oh, yeah, I don't really like Skype, but we use it because it's functional. And I'm pretty it's, sure it's the, it's the best thing out there, but it's definitely not <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And this, this is one thing I realized too, is as we're growing Asian efficiency and we're building all these different systems and integrating stuff, I, I start to realize more and more how there's a lot of systems and software solutions out there that don't exist that we actually want and need. But that's a completely different story. Anyways, uh, so HipChat and Slack, think of them as instant messengers. It's a way for people to collaborate and set up rooms. And if, if you're a computer geek, you probably have been to these IRC rooms and, and it's kind of like similar like that, but uh, it's more focused on collaboration than business. So what's great about HipChat and Slack, especially HipChat, because that's what we use, 
Um, it's really a replacement for email in a lot of ways. And I'm sure you've heard on the podcast before that we have no internal emails when it comes to Asian efficiency stuff. Like 99% of email is eliminated at Asian efficiency because we use something like HipChat and because we have you know supporting systems set up as well. So for example, if I need feedback from people, I would not email people like most people would do and say, hey guys, here's the logo that I just created. Could you like reply to all and let me know what you guys think of it? And then you just like email chain comes in and like, ah, everybody wants to kill themselves because their inbox is overloaded. So that doesn't happen because we have something like HipChat. So somebody can post on the room and say, hey guys, look at this uh, rough draft that I have of this design. What do you guys think? And everybody starts posting and then boom, instant feedback, gets the same results, but less stuff in an inbox to worry about. Or if, uh, if it's less time sensitive, I might say, hey guys, uh, I need you guys to... Uh, think about this problem that we have for our next meeting. I'll post it in Confluence. Here's some notes. Here's here's some of my thoughts. Post post your thoughts on this uh, page as well. And then when we have our meeting in a couple of days, we'll talk about it together. So it's really asynchronous that way. There's no inbox there. It's just when you log into the system every day, you see it there. And it's just no email that you have to deal with. And so when you do get email, it's from other people that are actually important. And uh, I can definitely see over the next year that HipChat and Slack are going to be growing in volume, not only because we will have a private Slack channel for Dojo users, <laughs> but also um, just businesses are going to be adopting this because they're going to start to realize that email is just a really inefficient channel to collaborate, to get feedback, uh, because they lack all these other systems that I talked about. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was You mentioned the BCC thing. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and I can't find the specific one. It was with uh, CPG Gray, I believe. So it was either Hello Internet or Cortex. But they were talking about some government agency replied uh, or sent out an email to something like 2.3 million people and people started replying all. And it obviously very quickly brought down the the server. Uh, But what's really bad about that is that not that it happened right away and it took the server down because that you can fix. But because email is a one-way communication method and you really, once it leaves your inbox, you have no control over when that person responds back to you. This is something that they're going to have to deal with now for probably weeks or months (laughs) down the road. And just think of all of the lost time and all of the lost productivity because they're using something like that. And I, I can't find the statistics now, but I know that Slack has posted, uh, they've done research on the the amount of efficiency savings that they have been able to bring to people by using Slack instead of email. Because in addition to just the messaging, you can have a bunch of integrations and things too. So if you're looking for a communication tool for your team, like we use HipChat and uh, you can do a lot of cool stuff with HipChat and, and Jira and Confluence, which is what we use for our, our documentation and also our project management um, because they're all owned by the same company, you can just put like a small URL in HipChat and it's got the link right to the issue and things like that. But you can really do that with any of the different systems um, on the that are uh, on the internet because they all will talk to Slack. I mean, even HipChat, I mean, uh, uh, Jira and Confluence, there's integrations for those into Slack as well. So those integrations and being able to talk between the different systems 
I think is going to save a lot of time. And that actually kind of leads into another thing I wrote down, which is a breakthrough in the internet of things. So as an example, right now I have, I'm going to open up my phone and count the number of apps I have in my home folder. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different smart home devices, but none of them are connected. (laughs) And I can hack stuff together, you know, using if this, then that. And Apple's trying to bring things together using their HomeKit standard, but they really haven't pushed that very much. It's not been very widely adopted. So right now it's still, and I've heard this term used, and I think it's very accurate. It's the Wild West when it comes to these smart home devices, and there really are no standards. But this is the future. This is where things are going. And I know you mentioned, or you wrote an article recently about the Amazon Echo and lifestyle productivity. As these things become even more connected, that whole idea of lifestyle productivity is going to be really, really important. And I I personally believe that this is the year that there's going to be some significant breakthrough in the Internet of Things and all of these things really start talking to each other. Yeah, I think as soon as Apple makes HomeKit really standardized and in their devices, then that's it's going to start taking off because it's it, that industry just needs one big giant to step in and say, okay, this is what it is guys. This is the standard. Let's just follow this. And like you said, you have like all these different devices, but none of them work together. It's kind of crazy when you think about that. And the closest thing that I have to that is I, so I have the Philips Hue lights and then I have the echo and they happen to work together because they integrate together. So that's, that's kind of nice. Uh, the next thing that would work really well is connecting the Sonos to the Echo as well because they're working on the integration together on that, which is not for, uh, possible right now, but it's going to come out in the next four or five weeks, I believe. So that's going to be pretty awesome considering I just bought some new Sono, Sonos devices as well. So <laughs> uh, as soon as I saw that uh, uh, note, I thought, okay, let's let's invest in this, and especially when I saw a good price on these things. So... Um, and the echo is kind of like a good central hub for making things happen, uh, because it's voice activated. So you can just talk to it and Google has their own device as well. But if that can make its way somehow and work with what Apple is going to be doing, man, I'm going to be super pumped about that. Right. And, and that's the thing right now, you've got Google trying to establish their system. You've got Amazon trying to establish their system, Apple trying to establish their system, and nobody wants to work with any of the other things. But at mm-hmm. some point, there has to become a leader in this if this is really going to catch on. And I think it's pretty obvious that this is where everything is going to go. Like the Sonos integration, uh, it'd be great to be able to launch Sonos from your Amazon Echo, but I use Apple Music as a music source in Sonos and Amazon and Apple are very clearly don't like each other. <laughs> so what what happens there? I mean, that's a really bad user experience. And if you're trying to get the Sonos integration set up on your Amazon Echo and you don't really understand what's going on, you're going to project the blame there onto Amazon and onto the Alexa device. You're not going to say, well, it's Apple's fault because they have a different model for pricing and and that Amazon doesn't want to have their content on Apple's platforms and have to pay 30% and, and all that. Like users don't care about that. They just want their stuff to work. Yeah. And this, this kind of goes back to what you said earlier, which is people trying to hack stuff together. That's going to be pretty common, I think, over the next year or so when it comes to all these Internet of Things things. 
So I, I, I see it already with a lot of people setting up like their own private servers and connecting like their smart devices to their servers and then having scripts running to do certain things. And I'm like, you know, when I was a te- like a hardcore techie, <laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> and I can see that being a fun project, but it's so unreliable. And especially with the technology just updating so fast, it's, it's just not going to be sustainable. And which brings me kind of like to re- relate a point, which is, you you have to be really careful which platforms and technologies you end up picking. So, for example, uh, you, you know you brought up Apple Music. You know, not being able to play along with you know the Echo and and all the other uh, players, but you also have Spotify, which is like a third party quote unquote that is not involved in you know the, the Internet of Things, but it's a really good music source, which is something I happen to use. And also because they are so neutral, I guess, they're supported by all these different companies. And so what I'm really trying to say is you have to almost think through a little bit further when you make investments or a decision on what platform you're going to join because it's going to impact other systems as well. And that's sort of the whole idea behind anytime we give advice to people when it comes to productivity is that I see a lot of people give really bad pieces of advice because they take things in isolation. So an example of this is when somebody asks, hey, what calendar app should I use? They might say, oh, you should use Gmail or uh, like a Google calendar or you should use Fantastical or BusyCal or something. But the question I always ask is, in response to that question is, what are all the other apps that you're using? What task manager are you using? What syncing solution are you using? Because mm-hmm. we want to make sure we make a recommendation that fits your ecosystem, your environment, the stuff you already have going on. So it just plugs in and it works right away. Unless, you know, you really are committed to overhauling it. But you need to know these kind of things before you can make the right decision. And so I feel like that's going to happen as well with all these devices because, Yes, you have all these big players like Apple and Google and then Amazon, but then you also have all these like other smaller companies who are in the home, like SmartThings is another company. Uh, I mm-hmm. believe um, Belkin is is like with the Wemo stuff is also in there. Um, Nest, you know, is, I mean, is acquired by Google, but that used to be a big player. So you have all these different companies who have other awesome stuff that they're building and other people are going to be building stuff, but there's no unified standard right now. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that's going to play out over the next uh, 12 months. What's really interesting, I believe SmartThings was purchased by Samsung. So even in the Internet of Things space, you have Android versus iOS battling for <laughs> supremacy in in, uh, in the Internet of Things space. And uh, the options continue to get more and more. I mean, if you're thinking about just music sources, maybe a year ago, Spotify was pretty much the only thing that was around. I mean, there was RDO and I know there's a bunch of other sources out there, but Spotify was the big one. And then Apple comes and they launch Apple music and everybody is nervous about Apple controlling whatever the next big thing is, just like they did when they launched iTunes. So naturally and rightfully uh, companies are, are kind of reserved and they don't, they don't want to help Apple establish a monopoly. Uh, and so you see all of these little, players popping up, none of them are very established because the space is so new. And that kind of leads into the last point here, shiny new object times a thousand, I put, (laughs) because uh, like we've talked about a lot in this podcast, there's tons of options nowadays from task managers to 
uh, online music players to new applications and uh, just looking at task managers. You know, I mentioned earlier that it seems like each organization that I work with <laughs> uses a different one. And so how do you get all of these things to tie together? Uh, and then also uh, when something new comes out, don't go chase that shiny new object uh, because there's just way too many options for you to possibly explore all of them in depth. I know at one point when Apple first launched the iOS store, uh, for a while there were not very many apps uh, in the App Store. And at one point I had tried every single app in the App Store. <laughs> <laughs> but that is definitely not doable today. I think there's something like 50 million applications. And so uh, the the choice and the options that are available to consumers continues to grow. And once you establish a system, you got to really think long and hard about all of the switching costs that are involved with taking everything that you have in one particular system and moving it over to something else, which may or may not be there tomorrow. Yeah, that's so, so key because there are just so many options out there and people have so much choice nowadays that it's really hard to figure out where to start. And I think, I, I think I've said this before on, on our meetings, but it's really important for everybody in the company to realize that when people come to us for advice, it's because they see us as their trusted advisor when it comes to technology solutions. And that's something mm -hmm. we tend to forget. But when people come to us for advice, it's because they know whatever we recommend has been tested, has been verified, and can be you know attested to, especially with the Dojo community behind it, because they do a lot of testing themselves and we can sort of learn from them as well what they see is working, what is not working, and we can learn from them and then they learn from us and everybody's winning in that sense. But yeah, the, it, the, the dojo community is amazing. If I can jump in real quick, because uh, you're talking about like the community will jump in and try these things. Like one example of this is Matt, who has taken the principles that we taught in the OnFocus Premium Post and applied it to the Mac app to do. And there are pages and pages of people who have asked him questions about like, how does this work in to do? How does that work in to do? And he answers every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so awesome to see. Like there's no other productivity community out there. Like I'm pretty sure at this time of recording, we're the only one who has like a private membership where people are really obsessed about productivity. And this is like the place where productivity geeks and nerds hang out and share stuff. And that was just one example, but there's so many other examples of people of uh, different jobs, different ages, different backgrounds, all wanting to be more productive. And they ask very similar questions and want to have similar feedback from, from us, but also from the community. For example, the other day, everybody was trying to figure out what is everybody using when it comes to calendars? And everybody gave different solutions and different apps and different hints and different tips. And it's like, we, you know, we can't test everything. Once we find something, we tend to kind of stick to it and make sure that it's really good. But the community is always testing because we have like hundreds of people there who are always do, doing cool stuff there. And so it's it's a really cool, sacred place where people are testing and, and finding stuff that works. But at the same time, now let's be honest, some of these people are also suffering from the shiny new object syndrome. But mm -hmm. the flip side is they love it. You know, they do it with a passion. <laughs> it's not like the the busy entrepreneur who just wants to get stuff done and it's just, you know, 
haphazardly just following different stuff and is getting frustrated. No, 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 no. Like the people in the dojo are passionately trying to use different apps, find different systems that work together. And so that makes the community really fun. But on the other hand, I get your point. It's, it's going to get a frustration level five if, if you're not really sure what to do and where to start. And there's so many things you can pick from that. Yeah, it can be really daunting to kind of figure out, okay, what kind of app should I use for my tasks, for my email, for my calendar? And yeah, it's just going to be, I, I just really hope that people don't go on this like journey of like time, trying 50 different apps before they find the right one. Like that's just a mm-hmm. waste of time unless you have a passion for it. And if you get paid for it, hint, hint, work for Asian efficiency, then, uh, <laughs> then yeah, I would love to have you. <laughs> and when, so we can give people better advice and, and test the solutions. Well, that's how I got connected with Asian efficiency is I started doing some workflow videos, which were published on the, on the blog. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm always looking for those people who have their, uh, systems and stuff figured out and can share it with the community and essentially get paid to do all these kind of cool stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's a cool thing about the dojo is that the people who are there are not there trying a bunch of things just because they're chasing shiny new objects, but the people who are really exploring these things, they're doing it for the benefit of the community. They're doing it and they're sharing their learnings so that other people don't have to make the same mistakes. It's almost like they're willing to take one for the team. <laughs> we before and me. I'm all, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I'm always amazed at how smart the people in the dojo are. It's, it's crazy to see some of the stuff that they have been, been able to figure out. Um, but really, the, the, if you were to summarize all eight of these points, uh, the real takeaway here is that personal and professional productivity is not going away. It's becoming more and more important. Uh, just real quickly, we'll recap these points. And, and to be honest, I don't have these in order because we kind of jumped all over the place. Uh, but number one, it's more important to embrace cross-platform solutions than ever before. Number two, you got more inboxes to monitor. Uh, number three, HipChat and Slack are tools that you can use to help stem the tide of email. Uh, number four, non-traditional approaches to email uh, are going to become more and more as people try to hack it. Uh, breakthrough in the Internet of Things. Number five, number six, uh, there's going to be more busyness and less effectiveness. So that's where really the productivity really helps you leverage the ability to do deep work and really take action on your goals. Number seven, shiny new objects times a thousand. Number eight, notification overload. Uh, anything else that you want to leave the listeners with before we sign off? I hope that this kind of sheds some light on what we think is going to happen over the next year. And I would love to do another episode 12 months from now and kind of reflect back and see what actually happens. But I hope this kind of got you thinking about how does this affect your own productivity? Because we talked a little bit on a high level of what's going to happen and what we think will happen. But try to think about how this is going to personally affect you. Are you still looking for a cross-platform solution? And if so, um, what do you have to consider? What kind of platforms do you have to think about? What kind of device are you going to buy next? Are you sure that they work together? Um, Are you currently overwhelmed by notifications and emails? And... Uh, are you scared that this is only going to get worse? Well, what can you do about this? Like all these different questions uh, are naturally going to come up in your mind. So I would set aside maybe five to 10 minutes and think about just what we talked about and see how this affects you and what you can do about it. Because 
at the end of the day, we want you to be in control of your life so you can spend the time on the things you want to do that bring you the most happiness and fulfillment. But you do need to spend some time thinking about this stuff because I do think this is going to affect everybody that's listening and everybody else uh, not listening on on, <laughs> on some point at some level. So um, I hope this was helpful. I hope this makes you think about stuff. And I would love to hear your feedback on this. Uh, you can always go to the show notes of this podcast episode and let us know because we'd love to hear your feedback on this as well. Definitely. The goal, like I said earlier, is to provide you with systemic solutions to your productivity problems. And if you are interested in checking out the dojo, uh, you can go to aedojo.com. And that is the place where you can connect with not only a productivity community that can help you solve problems and take action on your goals, but also connect directly with the Asian efficiency team. So uh, if you wanted to check that out, we'd be happy to have you and we will talk to you next Productive Monday. <laughs>